Axiom, the tasty truth. I'm here with Phoenix's Ashes. What's shaking, guys? How's it going? All good. Same. Right on. Thank Just... you. Awesome, awesome. So let's let's dig into it. Uh, Phoenix's Ashes. How'd you get get started? What's your uh, what's your superhero origin story, as it were? <laughs> Harry, do you want to take this one? I'll try it. I knew that question was coming. Um, yeah, how do you start that one? Um, it started how many years ago? Well, 12, 12 and a half, 13 years by now. Yeah. 13. It started with a completely different lineup. Uh, I think at one point there were actually, maybe it was like three guitar players or something. And I don't know, at one point it just didn't work out uh, with that lineup. So that switched and then it switched again and then it switched again. And during the lineup, um, the guitar player, Arnout, he uh, said he was the guitar player and his uh, sister, the bass player of the band, and their little, their smaller brother was the drummer of the band. Um, And at one point the drummer decided to quit. and that's where I took over. And then uh, I think it was like nine months, maybe ten months after, we uh, we decided to uh, to ask yeah, decided to look for a new singer, shall we say? And that's when Ilko arrived. And since six years, seven years, eight years now, yeah, something like that, something like that. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. the interesting part is that the band. Actually, came uh, was a comprising of, of two other bands. One one called, I believe, Out of Reach, uh-huh. and right. another band which I'm not familiar with because that was way way beyond my era. <laughs> and um, I, I believe they called the band Phoenix Ashes because they had an EP um, with uh, Beyond Reach that had to do like with something with First Feather Burning Phoenix Ashes. So they decided to go with that, like a um, uh, comprising from these two bands were was this new band rising out of the ashes, and that's kind of like where the name came from. Um, and then Harry already told you about how the current lineup came to be, and um, yeah, that's kind of like where, where the name comes from, and and um, what the band or how, uh, how how Harry and me came to join the band. I think it's the longest lineup that the band has till date right and um yeah so you guys have successfully answered that ancient philosophical question of if a ship sails around the world and you have to replace each plank is it still the same ship i think you you guys have solved that puzzle uh uh, (laughs) it's a good one (laughs) right right on so uh how, how did you guys know how the name came to be phoenix's ashes yeah, that's, I just I just heard it. Coincidentally, I'm on holiday now with the old drummer and the bass player because I actually 
married the bass player, shall we say. So that was pretty cool. So I'm on holiday with them, and we were just talking about it now. And uh, uh, he said as well, it was because of out of reach, sort of, you know, it, because it stopped, and it, you know, we we wanted, or they wanted to start something new, which you know, which was going to be like hopefully massive and that sort of stuff. And that's when they thought, you know, it's like a phoenix rising out of the ashes because their old band, which they were all in together, that sort of died out at one point. And then it was like, well, we're going to start a new band, but it's going to be a different name, but it's still going to be at least with us three. So that's why the uh, why the name Phoenix Ashes came about. Brilliant. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um... And uh, the old, so so Arnaud, who is now a guitar player, and Nico, who now plays bass, Arnaud used to be the singer, actually, of, oh, yeah, of the man. previous setup, right? But Arnaud and Nika are both still originating members of Phoenix Ashes, so kind of like the band is, I would say. And Ar- Arian, um, he kind of joined around the same time, right? So the three of them actually have been in Phoenix Ashes for the entire duration of the band, so I would say, like, um, yeah, but so so that's that's a good score. It's it's three fifths of the band is still original, and it's just uh, us two wankers that joined. At a later <laughs> point. Oh yeah! Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, great. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, what's one thing you guys wish you'd known when you guys first got started with the band? <laughs> oh, that would be like go touring immediately. I mean, it's kind of like um, there's a lot of bands out there that are waiting until this opportune momentum where they get asked by larger bands to do um, opening shows and um, uh, before everything is right, before we can actually make money out of touring. And for a lot of bands, that point where they will, they will probably not get to that point where it would actually make you money. But the experience of actually being on tour is so invaluable that I would recommend it to everyone. Just like, even if it costs you money, just organize a tour because you can play pretty much everywhere around the world and be willing to say, well, it's, uh, if I'm going to pay for my holiday, I'd rather pay for it while I'm also doing gigs somewhere where I'm considered to be on a holiday. And, um, that experience is, is so, so incredible and it actually teaches you a lot about being in a band and about being a musician in a way that it's not going to happen um until you wait right so even even with those tours where you're actually investing in that um you're going to be much more interesting for all your local bookers right because you've just done a tour to uh, through europe or through uh, in, in your particular case maybe you did some gigs in canada or outside of your state that will make you inter- more interesting for bookers because they kind of consider, well, these guys been around, they've played quite a bit of shows, and um, that must mean that they have something to bring to the table. So it means that uh, if you create your own opportunities, it will also generate new opportunities for you that weren't there before, right? And that is something that I would definitely start much sooner. Just like go out there, play as much as you can, um, even if it costs a bit of money for you, um, it's going to be for the long run. It's going to bring you more than it will cost you. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's great advice because I, I agree. Uh, despite that, goes to, against the conventional wisdom, right? Where you want to, you know, you start out in your town, and you, once you get too big for your town, then you start playing the neighboring towns, and you start like growing your circle of influence, right? That's what you know the. That's what the the experts, quote unquote, say. Whoever the fuck they are, and uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, but that, 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 that is just just it. I'm not I, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I'm just saying that um, that conventional wisdom is exactly like you called it. It's conventional. It means it's still based upon the premises that nobody across the world hears your music. That there's not uh, in, in like in the golden days of touring locally, um, you m- might have had the competition of a handful of bands that were aiming for the same spots of you. But nowadays, there's less stages to perform. There's more competition from bands. There's also people from all across the world that are trying to get into the same places as you. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you still need to focus on your local home turf to see if you can get people to come out to you. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't really work to restrict yourself to that particular idea because... The world is a different place. The way people listen to your music is different. Um, they're not going to buy your merch as much, your albums as much, and you might not get out of your um, local youth centers, bars, and 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 venue um, thing that you're that you're into because uh, there's just too much going on, and you need to kind of like harness yourself, uh, your creativity, and gather as much. Um, rumor around your brand and in this case around your band as you possibly can and then uh, from my perception if I look at what we did over the last 10 years then actually touring outside of our zone right outside of our country actually delivered us way more cred and way more yeah, uh, bookings in our own country than uh, touring in our local scene has ever done for us but maybe uh, that's the, that's the European way of doing things, and maybe in the states it's slightly different. I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean that's uh, that that is how I perceive it at the moment. No, that's absolutely brilliant. I'm into it. Like that's that's really great advice. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, touring hasn't existed for some time now, but it's it's finally starting to come back. So you know, exciting things yeah, on the horizon, yeah, <laughs> right? Um, so what does rock and roll mean to you guys? Playing, really. You know, playing as much as we can. <laughs> um, playing as much as we can, if possible, especially nowadays. But um, just just having fun, really. Uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely not going to be the old school stuff which you hear about the old bands from the 70s and the 80s and that sort of stuff. We're, we're, you know, it's definitely different times and that sort of stuff, but... I guess now, um, as long as we get the chance to to play as many gigs as we possibly can and see as many cities as we can, that's I think that's like the main part of it, and and just to have as much fun as you can, really. I guess it might be a little bit of a cliche answer or something, but it is at the end, it is the truth, isn't it? So yeah, I guess. Yeah, and I must I must add that. If you do that, so that that fun part is so um, uh, it might not sound a lot of lot rock and roll, right? But having the utmost amount of fun on stage will translate into your audience, like really digging it and really being into it. 
And and that is exactly what rock and roll is about, is kind of like gathering all these stories uh, as, as a person, as a band, that you would never, ever experience if it weren't for music, right? We've seen some crazy shit in Russia and in Indonesia <laughs> um, that yeah. would have never been possible without being in a band. I mean, we've got chased out of a hostel by a guy with a hunting rifle um, that was dropped, like, completely drunk on vodka. Um, we've, we've seen the inside of stripper clubs um, while being on stage oh, yeah. with three, three stop poles and spicy chicken wings with copious amount of vodka. We've seen, like, kids roll across the floor through glass in Indonesia being so high on, yeah. on whatever music that we had that they were, like, throw themselves against the walls just to, like, release that energy of being in a live show and like those stories kind of like that your music releases that amount of energy and and in people and that like brings you on adventures that one would normally not have right for me that's the the rock and roll part of it right of course uh, there's there's booze there's going to be booze there there's going to be lots and lots of um yeah, how, how would one call that? Attention from, from different kinds of people uh, uh, there. But um, in the end, um, I think it's that connection that you have with the audience that you can give it your all and they will give it their all. And that connection and that energy that it releases, that's the ultimate feeling of rock and roll for me. That's that's awesome. And you guys you guys toured all the way in Indonesia. That's That's really fucking cool. Like, yeah, yeah, that was that was absolutely crazy how that went. I mean, that was that was it was, it was like an accident, and then it wasn't an accident. It was kind of weird. We went on a family holiday. Uh, to be honest, like I said, I, I'm you know the drummer of the band, but my wife is the bass player of the band, and my brother-in-law is also the guitar player. We were with the three of us and like the rest of our family in Indonesia in 2017, and. Uh, years back, uh, my wife and my brother-in-law met a guy uh, called Anga, and I think his name was Anga. And they said, or he said, well, next time you come to Bali, um, then just play a gig. So we said we're coming to Bali, but we're only with three of the band and not five. And they and this Anga guy, he said, well, sure, just play a gig with the three of you. We were like, well, we, we don't have a singer, we don't have our other guitar player. He said, who cares? You'll be the headliner of the whole evening. There's going to be like nine bands and you'll be the headliner all the way from the Netherlands. So we were like, well, okay, cool. We'll do that. So we <laughs> we practiced for weeks and weeks and weeks, taking over the vocals from Ilko and, you know, just trying our best. And we did it. We even landed during that family holiday after a gig or after that gig, we landed uh, an extra surprise gig at the Hard Rock Cafe in Bali, which was totally crazy and absolutely ridiculous. But the guy, that Anga, he said, if you guys have got time, I'll start booking a tour for you next year and I'll get you the whole band. I'll get you a, a whole tour through Bali and uh, Jakarta, you know, Java, basically Java. And we said, yeah, go for it. So we were just waiting. And at one point he said, dudes, I've got it. If you guys want to come in 2018, then, uh, well, I've got the shows ready. And we had two shows in Bali and six Seven, no, shows. seven, 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 yeah, uh, all across the island. Yeah, that's from left to right. It was 
super weird, <laughs> super, super crazy, weird. but amazing, I, amazing experience. I mean, Bali is beautiful. Like I can imagine that would just be just a fun place to play, even if no one shows up. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what Ilka said earlier uh, that you experience things in a band which you don't experience if you are not in a band. If I mean, it's 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 you know it's Asia, but I mean it's it is true what they say. The Asian fans are a lot more crazy than the European, all that sort of stuff. And it's true. We we traveled like from one venue to another. We took about seven or eight hours to get there. And we just we were like just sitting in the bus on our phones, talking, whatever, just chilling. And we get to the venue, we open the door, the side door, and there's like twenty or thirty people standing there waiting for Phoenix Ashes. They got the they got their phones going. They got their, the you're on Instagram in 20 seconds. They want to take your picture. They want to uh, have your autograph and that sort of stuff. You feel like you feel like Coldplay. It's crazy. You feel like a real rock star, and you know you're treated like a rock star there, which is absolutely amazing. And I thought it was brilliant to be honest with you. And then when you come back home, just you know get back to work. <laughs> it's pretty weird. <laughs> That's 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 a really cool story. I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what have you guys been listening to lately that's been inspiring to you? I've been well, listening to Mastodon. Oh, you start. You go for it. Yeah, yeah you go for it. You're into Mastodon lately, right? Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why. It's just crazy. I even did a drum cover of them. But that's. I'm into Mastodon a lot, and. Um, uh, the, uh, the new stuff from Enter Shikari again. I'm definitely listening to a lot, and yeah, I listen to a lot of old school stuff as well. Still, Pepper Roach and <laughs> that sort of stuff. But yeah, I guess um, Mastodon's one of my new favorite bands. I guess yeah, yeah. the low tune. Yeah, for stuff. me, uh, for me, I've been listening to the new record of While She Sleeps quite lately, um, quite a lot, which I love. Uh, the new um, Architects record is is on my playlist quite frequently. Uh, I love um, the the well recently formed band Spirit Box um, uh, with the, the the singer from former I wrestled the bear once. Um, they're absolutely great and um, so kind of like in that direction. But there's a lot of single songs nowadays, of course, that come out and that capture the attention. But usually it's uh, it, it, it's kind of like metal post-hardcore-ish, going into the direction of a bit more proggy or um, a bit more diverse in music, and that's that's usually what we what we tend to dig quite a lot. Yeah, no, that's that that's good stuff. I, I'm all about Mastodon and Architects. Are, that that new record is phenomenal. You guys are you guys are killing it. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> what's what's been your biggest failure as a band, and what did y'all learn from it? Ooh. Biggest failure. Yeah. You go for it. I have one. (laughs) I have one. So our biggest failure was the following. Well, it's it was our biggest failure, and 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 at the same time, it was this the this the circumstances that weren't like suboptimal towards that. So we at our twelve and a half year anniversary, we had this acoustic show. Uh, where we tr- where we transferred all of our songs and some cover songs into a, an acoustic setting with violin and piano with it, and it was just like absolutely wonderful. 
So we did that in the basement of a, of a castle with, with lots of people there. It was a great venue. We filmed it and everything. And it, it actually, it had great momentum, right? And then for some reason, we failed to pick up on that, right? We, we, we should have immediately booked the tour following it. Um, but for some reason, after all that work and every, all the time that we, we stuck into that, it just, we kind of like wanted to take a breather from it and just like see what it would do and then maybe book some shows. And then by the time we, it, it uh, that kind of like picked up again, right? Because we waited a bit too long with that. But, but by the time it picked up again, we were like on the verge of booking shows with that concept. Corona broke out. Which means that we had this wonderful acoustic uh, album out that we were about to promote and about to tour across uh, the Netherlands and maybe even Europe with that concept. And then nothing happened, right? We waited too long. Yeah, we did. That's such a shame. Yeah, it, it is. Of course, you could have booked the whole tour and then, you know, had it been during Corona, right? Like, and then it just would have been canceled too. So there's that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, very true, very true. But it's kind of like it, it taught us that, uh, well, it, even though a record or a concept thing such as this may may cost you a shit, shitload of time, um, all the other stuff that comes after it, uh, like it needs to be ready to go as soon as the album comes out, right? It's at, like the days of actually seeding an album, waiting for it to get picked up, um, and then uh, waiting, or, or at least uh, kind of try to push it to get airplay. All of that is not working anymore, right? You need to seed it beforehand, before you launch it, it needs to be seeded into Spotify, into every major music channel, it's like before you even release it, because everybody wants to scoop, everybody wants to own that kind of like the release and the success that might be attached to it. And all of that is 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 needs to be pre-planned ahead. And even though, uh, like recording the record and everything around it and the creative stuff that cost you shit shit loads of time, it just comes on top of that. But it's you can't forget it because if you have to pick up traction after it's released, then it's old news. And there is a lot of um, uh, media outlets out there that are not really interested in anymore because uh, it's been released a month ago and and therefore there's no traction so right that's a that's a big learning for us yeah no a yeah. month a month is a decade in modern music time yeah it is right on. It's so, uh, rich. so where's the best place for our listeners to find you online so you can either do two things um um, check it on Spotify. We haven't been pushing Spotify that much since um, um, most of most of the the traffic that we get is YouTube. Um, so either follow us on Spotify, follow us on YouTube, or check our Instagram. Um, we often post videos and shorts and and small informal stuff on on Insta as well. I think Insta is our biggest channel at the moment. Yeah, that's actually um, true indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, everything video-wise, right, from the entire acoustic show that we recorded last um, at our anniversary show um, to our video clips to some of our live uh, clips, we've got an entire documentary on a Russian tour 
on YouTube, which is um, which gives you the scoops and the ins and outs of touring in Russia, um, with some quite some hilarious moments. And um, so, recommend everyone to to go watch that. And if you just want to listen to the music, uh, there's always uh, Deezer, Spotify, Apple Music, and and all those outlets um, where you can get our stuff. So. But yeah, I'll, I'll link to that YouTube channel because that sounds like a blast. Uh, so what I'm going to do here, we're going to go ahead and listen to your single uh, Sheep Amongst Wolves, and we'll be right back. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. 
killer track. I, I love. I absolutely love the harmonies on that. That's uh, that's really cool. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the process for, for recording that. And as well, also, let's talk about like the process for recording that acoustic album. Yeah, sure. Um, what do you want to know? Uh, so, <laughs> well, okay, let's, let's start with the single, uh, or, uh, you know, what, do you guys like have a studio, like a home studio? Do you, is there somewhere where you go with like, who, who's your producer, all that fun stuff? Yeah. So we, what we do usually is we make our pre-recordings ourselves. Um, so we record in our rehearsal room, um, all, all of the tracks, um, kind of like the vocal lines, we put it together and we make a very rough mix. So we kind of know um, in the direction, like the direction where we want to go in. Um, we take that to our producer, um, who is at Tomster Studios um, for that particular record. Um, and um, we'll discuss with them kind of like what we had in mind. Um, we'll tweak a bit together with them to kind of see well, maybe that guitar riff needs to like a, like a minor tweak because it kind of like gets in the way of the vocals. Uh, we listen to the harmonies of the vocals if they're okay, and then we kind of take a couple of days out to uh, to record everything, and then it's up to them to mix and master it. And um, previously, we had the philosophy of actually recording single songs as opposed to albums because we really wanted to focus the attention on those single songs and the releases that we had. Uh, it's kind of like the reverse way of, of making an album is you release the singles first. And then in the end, if you've got um, uh, 10 to 12 great singles, you comprise them into an album and you capture them together. Um, it's kind of like it enables you to be kind of like in the picture the entire time, as opposed to releasing an album once, uh, investing quite a bit in that, having this big release, uh, maybe one or two singles, and then uh, it's kind of quiet um, on your side for a long time. And in this particular day and age, that really doesn't work. I mean, you need to be constantly visible, which means is that that spread and uh, of that attention is going to be really important. And that is kind of like the process and the um, the knowledge that we took into creating our acoustic album as well. Because the whole media part and the attention part, we got exactly right. Because we made a complete media plan, right? When which single would be released, uh, kind of like when which video clip would be uh, promoted. So, and, and that is what we did for months and months and months. So we released, um, I released that album with the same process, but now uh, we used pre-recordings to release acoustic versions, and um, uh, we had a, violin, a violinist. And a piano player come in to play with us that we had to send those um, pre-recordings acoustically so they kind of knew what they would be playing there. And then once that big live show was there, we, we played it and that got recorded. And the actual um, live recordings, as you hear them in the videos and as you hear them on the record uh, on Spotify, that is actual an actual live recording. So nothing is overdubbed, nothing is changed. That is actually the way we sounded that evening, and uh, which is pretty rad. And then uh, we, we took out the months after that to promote the videos to, because we released the regular album first, and then we released a small EP, Spotify only, um, just for the covers that we did. 
um, in that evening. And then after that, we released the entirety of, of the show on video on YouTube. So we had some momentum planned for those months. Uh, and, but like I said, the only big mistake that we made is that we didn't put the same amount of time and effort into booking shows alongside of the whole media spent and the whole media attention that we got. But um, in a sense, kind of like that, uh, that symbolizes the process of how we work is that we write, we exchange ideas, we record three versions of our songs. We kind of like tweak and, and kind of like change them until we feel they're good enough. And then either we go into the studio to record that song or we put it on a shelf and we wait until we have more songs, which is, would be then the idea of, of um, where we are going now, right? Is that we're going to do um, long-term release into an album form. So we're currently writing an album the more traditional way, even though the last five years we did it the exactly opposite way around, where we would write single songs to essentially form an album in the end. Right on, right on. Um, yeah, I tried to do that somewhat recently, except being a virtual band that's just me playing all the orchestral instruments and stuff. I don't have like a violin, a viola, a double bass. Yeah, I don't have all that stuff lying around, so I had to sample it all. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that, well, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I wish that that'd be that'd be so much fun. But you know, where would I sleep? Uh, <laughs> um, so. What was the moment you guys knew you wanted to be musicians? Well, I knew I wanted to be a musician. I think it was, for me at least, um, I, was, I was 10 years old. Um, and it was, it's, I think it's, it's the, the moment I started drumming was the moment I thought, I want to I do something with music. This is, this is going to be for me. And... The way I started drumming was like a, a kind of weird, to be honest with you. It's not your standard, you know, way to start drumming. I was there was one night I couldn't sleep, uh, and I always had the radio on, for instance, uh, before I fell asleep. And there were, it was kind of weird. <laughs> Whitney Houston's um, what's her famous song? Uh, Love will always go on, or whatever, whatever it's called. I forget what it's called. Her most famous song whatever i will always that's love the, you that's the one that's the one thanks for helping me out i kind of completely forgot <laughs> that song was on and i thought i wonder how you drum that and i reached under my bed and i found a mini i found like a tube of mini chocolate eggs which was empty and a snorkel and i put my right hand over my left hand and i started just doing the air drumming and i thought yeah i think i can be a drummer <laughs> the next day i went to school <laughs> And next day I went to school and I asked the music teacher, who was this really short Indian guy, Mr. Montgomery, I think his name was. I said to him, can I have a go on the drum kit? He said, yeah, sure, here are some sticks. And I, I got behind the drum kit and I just played straight away. And I thought, yeah, I'm enjoying this. And this guy came up to me and he said, well, how long have you been drumming? And I said, well, about 27 seconds right now. This is the first time I've ever been behind a kit. And he said, dude, you need to get on drum lessons. And I thought, right, I like drums. I like music. I'm going to be a musician. <laughs> and now I'm 30. How old am I? 35? Yeah, so we've been doing it for 20 years. And I'm enjoying it till, uh, till yeah, today and still. So that's uh, how I learned or how I realized I wanted to be a drummer, a musician. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I, yeah. so, not your standard everyday story, I guess, that one. So, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you're natural, I guess. It, it works. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it worked out well. It worked out well. I, I'm, I'm happy, you know. I'm, I mean, that, that decision, you know, it, it gave me a, a chance to, to tour the whole world. Ish, you know, I mean, to tour different places and go to you know, places like Russia, which I would... I wouldn't have that on you know, on the top of my list to, to go on a holiday, but I mean, with the band, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was great. So, you know, I'm glad I made the decision. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you did too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right on. So this, this, is a, this is a fun one. What's your favorite curse word? I have so many. Yeah. We're, 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 we would be like yeah so every second sentence there would be a curse word since we've got one person originating from the uk which is, uh, well yeah, yeah. And, and one person that kind of like got that like whole cursing thing from touring with several other bands um a canadian band that was notoriously known for their swearing and bad behavior um so yeah so but the favorite curse word i yeah so so what 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 would that be for you harry your favorite curse word it's it am i allowed to say it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah sure yeah i guess okay yeah i mean not a family friendly show (laughs) (laughs) good good i think to be honest my favorite curse word would just be bollocks really or twat or something it's like a combination of both of them to be honest with you because you can use it anywhere really anywhere except in the states anywhere. where yeah. no, nobody knows what the fuck bollocks are except for a handful of us <laughs> who, are, who are cultured that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing you can swear and be really pissed off about it but nobody will know what's really going on with you Oh. Yeah, well, my my favorite my favorite swear word would be, but then it's I, I don't know if it classified as a swear word, but I use it quite a lot. It's, it's kind of like usually the combination of fucking and Satan. Um, <laughs> but, uh, that is that that combination usually with any odd words in between. Um, yeah, that works for me. I use that quite yeah, a lot. Fucking multiple Satan, random swear words. <laughs> yes, I love just, it. Just a string of them. I love it. That's that's, that's yeah, good yeah, shit. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know what they say, right? I mean, there's there's lots of lots of uh, psychological reviews that say that people are that swear are actually happier and more intelligent, right? So, so, true. so true. Yeah, I, I I just concur with that. It's like there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that research. No. I, I agree. And it's, it's funny because I was, you know, my dad always told me growing up, like, swearing is a sign of an, of not being intelligent because you can't find a better word to use. And I'm like, nah, it's, it's, that's the right, that's the right word. It actually takes quite a bit of imagination to be very colorful and very creative with your use of words when, when you swear. So I do oh, believe yeah. that um, uh, at least linguistic creativity um, and linguistic intelligence it's probably um, uh, swearing is probably high on the list of people with that so I would say that he would be wrong in most cases <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well 
I, I drive a Vespa in Southern California, so I have some serious road rage. So it's uh, it's some, some sometimes I get, it, it it gets it gets long, colorful, and quite creative. Uh, <laughs> I I do have exactly. to say, and then sometimes it's just learn to fucking drive, asshole. Sometimes that's all you can say. But uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. But I, I I can I can understand that if you swear a lot that you're going to be happier and way more relaxed because imagine all that frustration building up inside you, not being able to vent that out, right? That is going to be some, some like nasty explosions and nasty, whatever is going to happen. There is that uh, I, I, man, that's not healthy to not let that out. Oh yeah. Every time you, every time you're upset, you're you're, cheese on a biscuit, right? (laughs) Just, (laughs) It is what's that uh, fucking guy's fucking problem. <laughs> weirdo. Uh, so what's your, what's each of your guys' favorite piece of gear? Gear. Gear. Well, I'm like right now, I mean Due to due to COVID, to be honest with you, I was I was surfing uh, Instagram a lot, and I came across this uh, guy called Thomas. Uh, I might get I've got to get it right. Mandoboni. I can't I can't say his name. I don't know his name very well. It's, he's um, an Italian guy living in Spain, and he makes custom drum kits. Uh, and that that brand name is Varus, so like V A R U S. I mean. I mean, even if you're not a drummer, you'll be impressed with the the stuff he makes. It's absolutely unbelievable. He makes like the best and most amazing drum kits ever. Um, and I've decided I don't care for pearls, for Tama, for uh, DW. I don't care for anything anymore because what this guy produces is unbelievable. He literally does it from scratch. He he gets this straight piece of wood and he he bends he. I don't know, he moves, he makes them into circles and snare drums and toms and bass drums and whatever and roto toms as well and this guy is sick and he's got his own little factory and I think he does everything either on his own or with one or two people and yeah, virus, that's that's it for me. I'm going to buy one of his drum kits hopefully at the end of this year and that's going to be my gig kit and uh, I'm saving the second I saw his, his stuff, I thought, I've got to save money for this. This guy's amazing. So that's my answer. Oh, yeah. yeah, and for me, that would be my Martin um, my Martin acoustic guitar. I, I bought that um, for, especially for the acoustic show that we did. And I love that the sound of that so much. And it was quite rare because I, as a left-handed guitar player, um, my choices are quite limited. Um, and when I walked into, um, uh, it's, it's uh, in Cologne here, it's uh, the music store. It's a very large guitar um, or music store. And um, I walked in and I tried every left-handed guitar that they had, and none of them were quite right. And he said, well, I just got this like one-off Martin guitar that came in as a demo model and uh, it was actually not yet on sale. So uh, maybe that is something that you'd like. And I played it and I was immediately sold. And I said, well, yeah. Like wrap it up and I'll I'll take it with me because that is just like it sounded wonderful and uh, for me that's my my favorite piece of gear. 
Right on. No, I, I've got a Martin acoustic too. I love it. it, it, it just, yeah, it's uh, they're they're beautiful pieces of gear. Uh, just just beautifully made and beautiful sounding. Well, you yeah, it can go for hours. Uh, <laughs> so it's time time for the tough <laughs> questions here. Uh, so you guys have made it. You know, you've got your own private jet. You're flying to your you're on, across the world on your world tour. You're heading to your your stop in Indonesia, and uh, plane goes down. And you've got all your records with you for some reason on the plane because, you know, turntables aren't affected by turbulence. And uh, you have exactly enough time to each grab three records that you're going to have to live with on your coconut-powered turntable for the next few years until they find you. What three records are you grabbing? So from three records from other um, from your favorite artists? Yes. Okay, so Harry... You're up first. You want me to go first? Yeah. Great. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, you, you get the time to think, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So I'll go for um, Greatest Hits from Queen. That's right. definitely going with me. Um, Metallica, um, the Black Album. I'll have that one. And I'll go for Soil Work. Um, what's it called? The, the white album with, uh, I think it's something to do with Chaos, I think it's called. I think uh, those three albums would be the ones I'd, uh, I'd take with me. Good call. No, I, I'm surprised of all the guests I've had on the show, nobody said Queen's Greatest Hits, which is, that's a guaranteed good time. Like, it's, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's that. That's it. I was just going to say, yeah, I listened to that album when I was like a kid, you know, my, my, my parents, they had a tape and they, they played it and played it and played it. And then they gave it to me and I, I had it, I had it on every single day in my, um, in my tape player, you know, um, and I, it's from every single song on that album or on that record. I know the lyrics. I'm the worst in the world with lyrics. I, I cannot remember lyrics. If, you know, if it's a, I had to write our own lyrics on my snare drum because I couldn't remember them. It was ridiculous. I had a <laughs> snare drum full of lyrics. So everyone was looking at my snare drum was like, what's going on? It's like, so I don't, don't forget because if I don't have it, I forget. But that album, I know it, you know, I'll change the soil work one, by the way, I'll change it. I'll throw that in the water and I'll grab my, uh, Phil Collins uh, one. That's the better one. Yeah, I'll go for that one, by the All way, right. if that's still allowed. Yeah, no, I'll allow it. That's fine. The plan hasn't gone down yet because, yeah. you know, your, your teammate over here is still picking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, so, so for me, so for me um, there's two albums that I, I know straight off the bat. It's going to be um, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, oh. uh, which is going to be the first record that's gonna I'm, I'm going to take with me. The second record is going to be Vishu by Trice. Um, yes. I'm definitely going to take with me. Very um, nice. Because it's, it's one of my all-time favorites. And for the third, um, I, I honestly have no idea because there's so much to choose from. But if I want to go for my roots, um, then, and that's something that you can hear in the music and you know, that you were referencing to with the multi-vocal stuff. Uh, which uh, which is something that that I tend to uh, push the band quite a lot. It was already there, but I've expanded it. So I would take, um, as far as harmonies, I would take Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. 
nice. their uh, debut album with me as well. I got really excited when you said VSU by Thrice because, like, I you know, they're from they're from Southern California. I grew up, you know, about twenty miles away from them. So, like, I've been listening to them since before anyone knew who they were. Back when they were like just a hardcore band and teenagers and all that stuff, and like their sound has evolved with my music tastes. So, like, yeah. everyone here locally, you know, you go to a Thrice show, and the whole time everyone's just yelling, play Deadbolt, right? And uh, <laughs> their, their yeah. newer stuff yep. is just so good. <laughs> like, and people have just, you know. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, that band um, had together with Alexis on Fire, they're probably our two biggest influences uh, when it comes to music. Um, uh, when it comes to the Phoenix Ashes music, uh, let's say. Um, we've seen Trice quite quite many times, so there's kind of like three bands that we look up to, Alexis on Fire, Thrice, and Funeral for a Friend, um, which is a, a band from Wales, um, which we had the pleasure of, of, of playing shows with as well, um, which was an absolute blast, but, but Thrice, especially in their sound and their evolution of their music, is, is a huge influence. I mean, the sounds that they produce with this tiny setup and... Um, Right there's there's so much evolution in their music from being a a very typical hardcore post hardcore band into this more melodic post rock um, that they're playing today and all of it is ridiculously good. Um, yeah. But just that whole range of music, right? Even when they uh, when they did the the elemental albums, right, where they had the four elements, mm-hmm. they were quite diverse and there is some massively majorly utterly great songs on that i mean if you if, if you listen, yeah. listen to you fire breather like how that starts and how that intro just like that that it detuned a with the variables <laughs> what, what he plays that is like that i i never heard a sound so incredibly massive than that it's just like that was that just blew my mind Oh yeah, and the the yeah. whole fire album just goes front to back. Is just has that big, huge guitar sound, and then you go into the water album, and it's a lot more like digital and breathy kind of. Uh, and then you've got like air and earth, which are almost like kind of like folky. Uh, you know, you got acoustic, and you've got a baritone guitar instead of bass and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. It's just it's just. I go on about thrice for hours, like, but I can actually now, now that you mentioned, I can I can hear a little bit of that influence in, in some of your guitar playing too. So that's that's good to know. Um, that's <laughs> that's freaking rad. So, who writes your lyrics? That would be me. That would be you. What do you typically like to write about lyrically? Yeah, so it, it, it differs, but the majority of the lyrics that I write are about the things that I see that could use a little improvement in the world of today. Um, so it's mostly about my reflection on what happens in society. Um, it's, it's often very critical of the, the way things are done. Um, it's often very... Uh, appealing to the good nature of people to 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 come together to invest in friendship and family and and all of that stuff because um, is actually being together uh, what what makes humanity human right and um, 
I'd, I'd hope to reflect some of those ideas in, in, in my lyrics that I write for the band. Right on. Yeah, because you're, you're not wrong. Like, the world could be a better place, but we, we refuse to make that happen uh, <laughs> somehow. Yeah. You know. Yeah, well, yeah, you can have a, a very, very long debate on that, but uh, I, I agree <laughs> with that. It's, it's, um, there's a lot of room for opportunity yeah. there, and uh, I hope, I hope with our music and with the lyrics that we, um, uh, that we put onto our music, um, uh, if that inspires to make people think and to make people maybe see things in a different light, um, then, then I'm a happy man if that is something that we can achieve with that. Well, I, I, that's a that's a beautiful cause. I love it. I'm into it. Um, speaking about making the world a better place, it's time for hot takes. Uh, what is each of your guys' unpopular opinion that you guys have that, like, you know is true that everyone disagrees with you on? <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, just to so what, what is, well, your opinion that nobody else so like a thing that you believe is true to the core, but nobody else shares that opinion. Right. For example, like one of our first guests that we had on discussed how, and he still to this day sends me the occasional uh, DM on Instagram, like of like the quote unquote science behind the fact that the earth might not be around. But oh, might no. Be. <laughs> oh, fuck that. No way. <laughs> oh, no. I will discuss that with someone, honestly. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I, I, I have to, like, go, because I'm not great at math, but I'm okay at it. So, I, like, I have to go in and, like, <laughs> you know, like, work it out. And, like, it takes some, sometimes it takes a significant amount of time just to start to jump. No, this is why this is wrong. This is why you can see this mountain <laughs> peak from this place, like, and yeah. why these curvature math. This is, the math is done wrong. Like, it assumes that the yeah. mountain is so coming I'll, out of I'll the earth go with right the very- so I'll go with a statement that is unpopular in 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 the uh, probably people that listen to alternative music, right? But I'm 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 fully convinced that I'm right. There is that the first the debut album of Britney Spears is among some of the best music ever produced. Oh, absolutely! Uh, I would actually agree with that. That's that's but most <laughs> you're right. Most people who listen to alternative music would vehemently yeah. disagree. But baby, one more time, that baseline yeah. is fire. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, the no. thing is, I, I don't necessarily like the music, but if you look at um, how it's written, the production value, and how that album is put together musically, and and um, um, from an auditory, uh, how, how would you say that, dynamically, right, from a, right. a spectrum and range of all these different frequencies that they use to create this really full sound, um, I think that was unheard of for that time, and therefore... Musically, it's one of the best albums ever ever created. I would never play it in my home, right? Because I, I don't <clears> like the music of Britney Spears. But as, as a musician um, and, and looking at the production value of that album, it's just like one of the best albums ever produced. Oh, absolutely. I'm pretty sure it's a Scott Storch that, uh, that produced that one, if I remember right. I might be wrong about that. But uh, yeah, that dude's a monster keyboardist. And he does most of his work on like a Korg Triton. Just like a, Is that a guy with the cigarette and the big and the big glasses. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, he is. It's he does all the rap stuff, though. doesn't he, now, these days? Yeah. That is definitely a joint, not a cigarette, if I remember right. But yes. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That, that could be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, awesome. All right. And? For you, Harry, what is your? Yeah. Oh, man. You know. All right. Okay. I, I, you keep I don't taking like the hard questions last. Discussing it. Because well, I don't know. You know what it is? I don't really. I'm not really a. I'm not really a difficult person. I will sort of go along with a lot of conversations just, you know, because I'll, I'll, I'll always like to see a, a different opinion to see if it would change my mind or not. But I'm, I'm going, there's only one thing I have a super strong opinion about, which, you know, some people agree with, but a lot of people don't. And it's the religion thing. What religion? Well, yeah, just, ah, yeah. yeah, that it doesn't exist. That's my whole thing, you know. Um, is there a God? Is there no God? That sort of stuff. That's the only thing I'm strongly opinionated about. And that causes a lot of, you know, difficult conversations sometimes. And that's, that's the thing which annoys me a lot, I guess. But that's my opinion, which can be in some cases extremely extremely unpopular oh yeah absolutely i mean like that's you know i got my project started in utah that's where the name golden plates come from is uh is uh you know the the magical plates that the mormons found in new york to create their religion religion on right like it's it's kind of a it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek homage to home uh but at the same time living in that environment and working in that environment when everyone you work under is part of the same religion and you're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you look at who oh, gets dear. promoted yeah. and who doesn't, right? Like it's, 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 it's it, it causes awkwardness. Um, and that's why I have my opinions uh, about it. They're extremely strong. Um, and I'll, I'll only discuss it with people if they ask me three times after the third time, I'll say, all right, you definitely asked for it three times. This is my opinion. But that a lot of the time, people are not interested in what I have to say about it because they won't believe it. So, yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, though, because so much of what of what we believe is based on how we're raised. You know, things we have no control over, right? And we, we, we hold on to it so tightly. Like... <laughs> I mean, especially how we're raised, exactly what you say. I mean, I'll go into it a little bit. I mean, I, I like... Um, if, if, if you have you heard, I guess you have heard of Ricky Gervais, uh, the, the English comedian. Oh, yeah. uh, he is an extreme, um, like extreme um, agnostic atheist, um, and he will he will give his facts based, or he will give his opinion based on facts. And with growing up, you're told don't put your fingers, don't put your hand in the fire. Why not? Because it hurts, it will burn you. Uh, don't. Uh, grab that broken glass. Uh, God is real. You know, that sort of stuff. And you're, you're brought up and, well, why? Because that's truth. That's how it is. Get over it. Learn it. That's it. And it's it's how you're brought up. Everyone's born an atheist. Everyone's born a non-believer until it's put in your mind. And, yeah, that, uh, that I agree with. I, uh, you know, and that, like I said, can cause a lot of awkwardness sometimes. So that's my um, sometimes unpopular opinion. Yeah. 
No, sometimes when you have that unpopular opinion in the wrong circles, you know, people get mad, you know, their, their paradigm. Oh, yeah. People don't like their, their worldview being questioned because realistically it comes down to having to look at your own mortality, right? Like the fact is yeah. you're going to die and people aren't comfortable with that. I mean, I am, but, you know, <laughs> a lot no, of people aren't. The thing is. And I, I, what I would like to add to, to Harry's story is that it's not so much that people that have this drive or this, this willingness to believe in any kind of God that they wish to believe in, right? That's their right and that's their choice. It's their privilege to do so, right? And um, whether you believe or, or, or you don't believe, that's not the issue here. It's, it's that uh, you shouldn't enforce... Your beliefs, uh, whether that's those are beliefs or those are non-beliefs, that doesn't really matter. Uh, you should not dictate for anyone else that that's that true. is the only way to live a fulfilled life because then it becomes bullshit. Then you go into this territory of it's not just your choice. You're trying to kind of like decide for other people what's right or wrong. And that is where you go into the territory of, of, of this this conversation where there's no winners because everybody thinks they have a monopoly to the truth uh, because my religion is better than yours and because there's and my book says it's absolute and therefore I'm always right and people hide behind that book in doing terrible things and that is when, when it becomes not just about you anymore and about the choices that you make and to using whatever belief system you have to become a better person because it's not not anymore about that, and that's that's uh, that's that's where the the line ends for me, and that's where the discussions become really difficult. Because no one's backing down from the fact that they believe that they have the version of the absolute truth behind them, and um, which is of course ridiculous if you if you look at it from a perspective that uh, before religion was invented, nobody cared, right? Nobody believed in. The same things. Everybody believes in a different god. If I wanted my like my horse to run faster, I would believe in the god of faster horses. I mean, that's the way humans <laughs> do things, and it's it's just like that. We now have come together to to believe in only just a handful of gods. Um, yeah, that's our choice, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Yeah, it's like. And I don't know how how things are over there, but if you're, you're here in the states, it, things get intense. Like I, I live not too far from like the neighborhood where all the uh, LGBTQ folks uh, like to hang out and live and get brunch and club and all that fun stuff, right? And every weekend you see you see the Jesus people out there with their signs like Jesus uh, loves you, love the sinner, hate the sin, you know, homosexuality is evil, all that right? Like all those these signs. So just stand there all weekend with these signs and a megaphone just shouting at people as they drive by. And I'm like, first of all, don't you have anything better to do? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, first of all that, yeah, definitely that. Yeah. <laughs> well, science, the, the thing is there's only, so if you would take three parts of things that we know that we can do as humans, right? So we have biology, we have science and we have things of like the free will, the, the things of the mind, right? So right. choosing any religion is a thing of the mind, right? But the science and the biology all say that homosexuality is a very common thing that happens in nature, right? And that it's perfectly normal, right? right? So it's it's either so no matter how you play this, it's going to be two against uh, two against one from the three things that we can determine uh, to kind of like assess if something is is valid or not, right? So we have the biological, the scientific. 
right? And then at your own personal vision based on, on your background and your belief system. Yeah. And, um, well, the fact that, that you are there telling another person that um, what you believe is more right than what they believe, that makes it inherently wrong because if it was so right, everybody would believe it. So shut the fuck up and just, like, move along. <laughs> Hallelujah. <Yes. laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> so... What are you guys? Let's 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 move on from religion because as much as I love bashing, you know, uh, you know the the silliness that people believe, it's you know you're not going to change it uh, anytime soon. Um, so let's get back to the music. What are you guys hoping to accomplish in the years to come? Harry, want to take this one? Yeah. <laughs> right, let's make Harry go first. Yeah. Well. <laughs> 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 what which one I speak? Well, I mean, we've got a lot of new stuff going on. We've got a lot of new plans, uh, sort of like that. But to be honest with you, the first most important thing after recording is just playing gigs. You know, I mean, we don't even have to record as long as we can just play a gig. Um, and that this whole Corona stuff, once it's finally gone, we can finally start. You know, playing gigs at least in our own country, and then you know our neighbour countries, and then just gigging. You know, um, that's that's what we we want to do, and you know we're not going to do it professionally uh, for a long time, probably. Um, but if we do get the chance, that would be amazing. Um, but to be honest with you, as long as we you know get that chance, uh, that would be great. And then we'll see what it what it gets. We would love to do uh, tours uh, with bigger bands. We'd love to do the festivals, the, the big festivals that, you know, the, the well-known festivals. I think that's what every band would like to do. But, you know, I think <laughs> with our plans, what we have, we might have the opportunity to do that. So, but uh, I think that's at least my perspective. I don't know. Ilko, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think it's the same, uh, the same. I think first after like this period of a year and a half, not doing much. Um, I think actually um, getting out on the road and, and playing again is going to be priority number one to get that, to kind of get back that feeling of being in the band and, and, and playing music. So, um, so yeah, that, that would be first. And secondly, as, as Harry mentioned, uh, we have some plans for a, um, quite an interactive musical experience that would work quite well on larger festivals and bigger stages, which involves uh, an entire light show that Harry is designing, because uh, apart from being a drummer, Harry is also a, a stage light designer, which means that he can design entire light shows oh, to shit, go along with the concept that we have. So, cool. Yeah. You too? Yeah, me too. I, I'm a, I'm a, I work with IATSE. I'm a, I'm a stage electrician and audio engineer. Uh, that's my nice. that's my day gig. Where it was until my last gig, I, I worked with Tim and Paula. Did lighting for Tim and Paula, and then uh, whoa, <laughs> and then everything that's shut down cool. the next day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool man. So 
Yeah, that's that's great. So I'm I'm working on you know stuff to my own stuff. Like I'm I'm trying to invest in some some lighting, some you know like MIDI to MIDI to DMX gear, so that I can you know mm-hmm. run lights with my feet and while I play guitar because I, I do a lot on stage. <laughs> like it's oh, just oh, me. yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what I'm doing right now at the moment. I I, I bought the um, I bought the DMX's box. Um, and I've got, uh, now I think for the band, a total of something like 16, 16 or 17 lights all on, you know, poles and everything. And I've got it all wired together, you know, all daisy chained to each other to, you know, place on stage. And then it's all connected to the computer and I'm using, um, what am I using? Ableton, uh, to, you know, literally just grab the red light and then turn it on there and then put it at a 45 degree so that it goes on. So I know all that sort of stuff, you know, so it takes forever. But I mean, once we finally got our set list, um, for our new thing, which we've got going on. And once that finally is, I'm just going to, you know, program it all so that all you have to do is when everything's plugged in, press space bar and that's it. And all I have to do at that point is drum and sing and that's it. And the lights go all completely fully automatic. That's, uh, that's how I've decided to work it out. Not with pedals. That's that's too much stuff for us. <laughs> yeah, that that might wind up being how I wind up doing it to just attach it to the backing tracks, right? Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Because <laughs> for the longest time, what I my my whole lighting setup was because I'm you know poor. Uh, I, I had this whole thing set up <laughs> where I had like just this this ancient uh, DMX uh, chaser. All right, that had like a little like microphone in it, right? Like built in, so like it would chase the kick drum like every time it would change. And so I just had all these like work lights all around the stage, like plugged into the different channels of that, right? So I had like eight channels to work with, so it would just flash in different patterns that I had set up. Like it, it, was, it looked really cool, but it was very unprofessional. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I was lucky to get the line. I just, I just looked on. Uh, yeah, we've got the, here in the Netherlands a thing called MyPlus. I think it's something like Craigslist in America or something. Um, you know, just just second second hand stuff which people aren't using anymore. And I just, I just, I just got shitloads of stuff sent to me at one point. And you know, I, I even bought now some some lights which I don't know what to do with. I, I don't know. I think I've got too much now. You know, um, which is kind of ridiculous at one point i want all the lights in the world and now i've got too much and the ones just standing in the corner of my of my cellar doing nothing so i was lucky just extremely lucky <laughs> that's my uh, that's my advantage yeah no that's 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 cool i should look into that for sure um so speaking of live shows what's the best show you've ever played Here in our own hometown in Humboldt, um, uh, or was it Czechia, Czech Republic? Wow, depends on the definition, right? If we if we talk about the largest show we ever did, and the nicest is going to be the Liberations Festival in the Netherlands, uh, which was mm-hmm. a huge ass show um, with um, tens of thousands of people. So that was pretty bad. Um, but I think one of the shows with the fondest memories I have, I must say, would be the last show of our Russian tour in Moscow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. That was, 
the end of the tour, we were all dead tired. I had absolutely no voice to, to begin with. And there was a great anecdote attached to that. So we were in the bus from Michi Novogorod, which was our brief. Uh, so the show before that, it was a 13-hour drive from there to Moscow. And uh, me and the singer of the other band, um, what were we touring with, we both lost our voices pretty bad. So uh, no sound or anything could be detected. So our tour manager, Alex, called this famous Russian opera singer. Right. And he said, well, these two guys, they have a problem. Uh, what should they do? So the Russian um, uh, opera singer, he was the typical Russian dude. He said, well, either they shut the fuck up for two weeks or like 15 minutes before the show, they go to the bar, they get three vodka. They like they they just like. Like, uh, how, how would you call them? Uh, you drink three vodka in the shortest amount of time that you can think of. Found them. Uh, like 15 minutes before the show, you get on, you play the show, and you should be fine. And we were like, yeah, like hell, that's going to work. But hey, and we have nothing to lose, so let's try. So we did. Uh, we, we took four, just preventative measures. <laughs> um, and it, it, it worked. It was a brilliant show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that worked, and that was one of the nicest shows that we've ever done because the energy from the crowd was there. The venue was filled, um, a couple of hundred people, and it was such a lovely show, and it was such a great way to end the tour. It was ridiculously cool. It's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, if you guys were me, what question would you ask yourselves that I didn't ask you? Wow, I think you asked them all, man. <laughs> I think you asked all the cool questions, to be honest. <laughs> right on. Um, then, yeah, do you have any uh, final words for our audience? Stay, uh, stay tuned, because um, when everything is allowed and when we can start up again, there's a lot of new stuff coming. Uh, hopefully, so you know, keep keep looking at YouTube, keep looking at definitely Instagram. Um, I guess. Ilko, any anything else to add to that? Um, yeah. So when taken out of the context of just music, I would say um, look out for one another. Oh. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right. Because well, there's just too many people that need that right about now. So Yeah. No, you're 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 spot on. Thank you for that. Um yeah, well, Thank you guys so much. This has been a blast, and uh, I like your style. Thank you very much Thank for having us, man.